Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. In today's episode, we're talking to my new friend, Jamie Ivey. Jamie is an author, a wife, a mama to four amazing kids, and she's a podcaster. Now, you guys, if you don't know about Jamie's podcast, trust me, you need to. I get so many emails from y'all saying, Steph, I have listened to every episode of Girls' Night. What do I listen to next? And in response, I always write back with three words. The happy hour. Seriously, it's the best. Guys, Jamie is encouraging and warm and loves God like crazy. And within two seconds of meeting her, you already feel like she's your new best friend. You guys are going to love her. So in today's episode, Jamie and I are going to be getting a little bit vulnerable. We're going to be talking all about our pasts um, and what to do with the shame and the guilt and the isolation we sometimes feel because of them. Both Jamie and I have made some pretty big mistakes in our lives. We've made some decisions we are definitely not proud of, but as you'll hear in this episode, God has forgiveness and redemption and newness for all of us. He's had those things for us, and we're going to tell you all about what that's looked like, and he has those things for you too. One thing we talk about specifically in this episode is our sexual pasts. We get really honest about what it was like to share our past mistakes with our husbands, and we have some encouragement for you that I know you're going to want to hear. So friend, if you're sitting in some shame today, in some guilt, or, you know, if you're feeling like, man, if people only knew this about me, if they only knew what I've done, then this episode is for you. God is going to speak to your heart in such an enormous way through Jamie. I cannot wait. But before we jump in, there's something I wanted to make sure to tell you about. In this episode, Jamie and I talk a lot about my book, The Lipstick Gospel. The Lipstick Gospel is my testimony, the story of some of the biggest mistakes I've ever made, and how God redeemed them and brought me back to life. Truly, if you're struggling with some shame from your past right now, I would love to give you a copy of this book. It's a story of the worst breakup I've ever been through and how God put my heart back together from it. It's a travel memoir, a story of transformation and hope, and if you're going through a breakup right now, or if you could use some encouragement in your faith, or if you want to get closer to God but don't know how, or if you're struggling saying yes to the plans God has for your life, or if you're wrestling under the weight of some big mistakes in your own life, or gosh, a million other things, I would really, really just love to share this with you. You can either download a copy of the book for free, which is fun, I love free books, um, or if you're a paperback girl like me, we have those too. You can pick them both up in my shop. It's smaywilsonshop.com or through the link in my Instagram profile. I'm at smaywilson over on Instagram. The other thing is that if you've already read The Lipstick Gospel, which I know lots of you have, I wanted to make sure to tell you that we have two new books to go along with it. This last summer, I came out with The Lipstick Gospel Prayer Journal and The Lipstick Gospel Devotional. They're tools and resources to help you walk towards a more fulfilling relationship with God, with your life, and with yourself. And you can find those in the shop as well. Okay, so with that said, let's jump into our conversation with Jamie, but before we do, one last thing. Jamie and I did have a few audio issues towards the end of the episode. Um, You'll hear Jamie cuts out a little bit, and I just wanted to warn you, I'm so sorry about that. Sometimes technology just does not cooperate, but thank you so much for your patience and your grace with us anyway. Okay, you ready? Let's jump in. Friends, I am so thrilled to have my brand new friend, Jamie, here on the show today. Jamie, seriously, thank you for being here. You're so welcome. I'm happy to be here. Um, So before we jump into anything, I would love it if you would take just a quick second and introduce yourself to the girls. Tell us like who you are, what you do. And I I gave you fair warning that I was going to put you on the spot and ask you for a fun fact. So I just feel like you're going to have a good one. I'm really excited about this. Okay. Okay, here we go. Let's see if I can come through for you. Well, my name is Jamie Ivy, and I live in Austin, Texas with my husband, Aaron, and our four kids. My oldest is 14, and then my youngest is 10. So we've got four kids really close together. And let's see, I have a podcast, The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy, and I just released a book this year. And that's my life. That's about me. And okay, so fun fact, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. When I was in high school... My senior year of high school, I wasn't, I like wanted to do something just crazy and new. And so I actually tried out to be the mascot. And when I say tried out, like no one else tried out. So I signed up (laughs) to be the mascot. So I was the mascot my senior year of high school. And the reason that I loved it so much is because I love football and being the mascot got me on the field. Yeah. Yes. So I could watch the game and I got in trouble all the time from the cheer coach. Cause she was like, Jamie, you're supposed to be over here with us, like doing cheers. And I don't 
cheer. I'm not a cheerleader, but I was the mascot. We were the Knights. And so I had one of these big heads that I wore uh-huh. and then a one piece blue leotard, which you couldn't pay me a thousand dollars to put on these days, but that was my uniform. Okay. So you're just, so you're not in a full body suit. You're in just a leotard and a giant head. Well, and a giant head, it has like a shield, like one of those things that kind of goes over your shoulders and then it's in the front, it's in the back. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm in basically a blue leotard from neck to ankles and it has that shield thing. And then I think I put some things on my cat, on my, um, shins or something like nightwear. I don't no, even I know. I was going to say like night shin guards. <laughs> my night, sh- night shin guards. Night shin guards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. So there I was, which is just so funny. It's amazing. Like, I almost feel like if you could go back and whisper to your high school self that you would need to tell yourself, like, do this, it'll be hilarious for the rest of your life. Well, and I would tell myself, this is the best your body's ever going to look. So don't feel (laughs) embarrassed of this like blue leotard thing you have to wear. That's also what I would tell myself. (laughs) You're not fat, just so you know. Oh my gosh. Yes. Can we go back and tell ourselves that at every stage? Every stage. Yes. Every stage. Yes. Uh, Yeah. You'd be like, girl, you take those shin guards off. You just show those shins. (laughs) Show your shins to the world. (laughs) Oh, I'm so happy I know that about you. Oh, it's so good. Well, okay. So first of all, I need to just say, Jamie, I'm so happy to have you here. I have been a listener of your podcast for a really long time. And I get emails a lot from my readers and listeners saying, Stephanie, like, love your podcast. What else do I listen to? Like, there's not like, well, I guess maybe there is on the iTunes app, but like, you need like Netflix. Like, if you like this, you might also like this. So if you like Girls Night with Stephanie Mae Wilson, you will also love the happy hour with Jamie Ivey. And it's so, I really, it was your podcast that helped me just totally fall in love with podcasts because so much of our life, like, um, there's so many things we have to do as adult humans that are not super fun or like mentally, spiritually stimulating, like making dinner, like cleaning your bathtub, moving, packing for a trip, like things, uh, commute, things like that. And I love podcasts, specifically yours, because having your podcast is like inviting your two, like most fun, most inspirational girlfriends over to your house to sit with you and just chat and like drink wine with you while you make dinner. And it's so cool because you get to really infuse these kind of ordinary life moments with so much inspiration and joy and fun stories. And and so anyway, I, my husband, Carl, and I live in Nashville, actually, which you lived here for a while, didn't you? I did. We lived in Murfreesboro. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah, we live in Nashville and um, we've moved a couple times since we've been here. And I have this distinct memory of moving into our old house and like making dinner the first night and like you're in there with me and I don't remember who your guest was, but it's just so fun. Like that we get to through podcasts, like be part of each other's memories and like inspire each other in moments when you wouldn't even know. So anyway, it's so fun. And I hear people tell me all the time, they're like, you've ran, I'm half marathon. You trained with me for the half marathon, you know, because they would listen to me as they yes. run. And I'm like, well, I'm glad somebody's training for a half marathon. Cause I, I'm not so no. that's good for you, but it is so fun. But I have the same thing. I mean, I have shows that I love that I feel like, man, every time I get in the car, I'm ready to listen to, you know, whatever it might be. So I get it. It's a, it's podcasting is a really good way to input information. Um, you can be entertained, you can learn, you can be challenged Mm -hmm. all while doing something else, which is great. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's funny. If someone told me that, and I don't know if I've gone on runs with my girls now I'll hear it. I'll get a message being like, we run together. And I'm like, yes, great. Because I don't ever run. My podcast is the only thing that will ever go on a run. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, so you came out with a new book recently that you mentioned, and that's really w- one of the things I, well, it's really the main thing I want to talk to you about today. Can you tell us just like a little bit about it? Just give us a little background on If You Only Knew, which by the way, I have my copy right here. <laughs> Yay, thank you. Yes, If You Only Knew, it came out the end of January of this year, and it basically is a lot of my story. So the title, if you only knew is what I thought for many years of my life of if people knew these things about me, if people knew where I'd been, if they knew my struggles, uh, my sin, then they would think, you know, fill in the blank. And so for me, I started to realize, man, I think a lot of women struggle with this as we think, I don't want to open up. I don't want to be vulnerable and authentic. And it could be from something major to something minor in our eyes, you know, that that's kind of weird to call things major and minor, but you know what I mean? Um, and so we struggle with thinking, man, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do. And I just wanted to kind of say here, I'm going to go first. 
Um, I'm going to just, I'm going to be, I'm going to open up and I'm going to share things with you. And then I wanted to also share with women, you know, these things that we define ourselves that they're not the truth. And so how do we then believe God for who he says he is and believe the true things that he says about us? Um, and so that's why I wrote, if you only knew. I love it. And that's, um, as I was reading it, I would tore through it, first of all. And I, I love memoir. I love stories. I, it's the way that God speaks to me more than anything else. And so um, I, I just loved it. And I love everything you said, because that's such a core, those are such core pieces of who I am and my story and how God has used me and kind of what we're about in this space here at Girls' Night. Just, um, I, I just, I loved it. It totally, totally like my heart beats to the same, the same rhythm. So really, um, kind of the other reason that I was really, really happy to read it is because I get emails saying the exact same thing you just said all the time. I get emails from my girls who, um, either want to know God and feel like they can't because their past disqualifies them. They feel like, you know, like I could never talk to a holy God because, like if he only knew and, and he does know, and I just don't want to, I, I just can't even face him or, um, they n- know the Lord, but they don't feel like they can really embrace him or be embraced by him or be embraced by other people because of things in their past. And so reading your book, I'm like, Oh gosh, I cannot wait to get this into girl's hands. And so I would love it if you would just give us like, um, a little bit of the story that you share in the book, just some of the things that you walked through that, felt like they defined you or felt like they kind of like how like kept you from feeling free. Yeah, for sure. You know, a lot of my story is the fact that I grew up in a Christian home. I have great parents. Uh, they love Jesus. I grew up in a great family. And so I, I knew a lot about God. So I knew all the quote unquote rules. I knew the things I wasn't supposed to be doing. I knew the things I was supposed to be doing. And so I grew up really feeling as though this relationship with the Lord was very rules based. Um, And then I started breaking all the rules. And so all of a sudden I felt like, well, I'm not keeping these rules and I'm kind of what I think I might be having more fun than my weirdo Christian friends. And so I totally just started living for myself. Um, whatever would make me happy, all of anything that I thought, um, would be better for me. So I became sexually active at a young age and lived a pretty crazy party lifestyle with a lot of heavy drinking, um, in my late high school and college years. Uh, and that all kind of caught up with me my sophomore year in college when I found myself pregnant. And so it was there that I remember feeling as though kind of rock bottom, but also, you know, it's funny because when I found out I was pregnant, uh, it was just one of those things where I thought this is never going to happen to me, which this proves you that teenagers are so dumb because they just think this only happens to other people, which you're doing the same thing they were doing when they got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was this shock, but also, I also was very much of the, just pick myself up by my bootstraps type of girl and we're going to go on and I'm going to be a mom. And, you know, I, I stepped into that and, you know, a couple of weeks uh, later into my pregnancy, I, I actually ended up having a miscarriage and that miscarriage was pretty rock bottom for me. Um, I moved back home with my parents and it was from there that I started, that I would say my journey towards God began. Um, and it wasn't until probably a year and a half, two years later before I even said, you know what, I'm in, I, I'm going to follow Jesus. And so that was super, super, um, it was a hard year it was a hard summer for me of, of that happening. And, um, I moved back home and, you know, fast forward a couple of years, ended up meeting my husband and we got married and he was a pastor. And so I came into our marriage really bringing a lot of shame on my own. My husband didn't make me feel like this. The people around me didn't make me feel like this. I just kind of put on this kind of, uh, identity as I needed to be ashamed of myself because then God would know that I was really sorry. I think that's what it was, is I felt like if I get over this or if I act like I'm fine, then God's going to think I don't care. And so I'm going to be a good Christian now, and I'm going to be full of shame and sad about this part of my life forever. So then God knows how sorry I am. And I see the, like, I see the reasoning there, but it doesn't make sense with how God works. And so 
you know, the book is just a lot of my story. And then a lot of me just realizing, man, those identities don't define me and that's not who I am. And so I want my book to be an encouragement to women as they read, um, not to see more of my story, but to see Jesus a lot in my life and then see him in theirs as well. Well, and it absolutely does that. Um, well, good. Thank it you. It really does. Yeah. Um, something that you talk about a lot, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. my, my past looks a lot, a lot like yours. Um, I don't, I didn't end up pregnant. Literally Lord knows how I have no idea how, um, right. and I, I my, yeah, I am totally, I'm a, I'm a girl of the past. Um, one of the things you talk about is, is that shame. You talk a lot about that shame and not wanting people to know, um, you spend a lot of time, like keeping some of these things secret, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like my pregnancy, my sophomore year, um, until I wrote a book, I could think of like six people that knew about it, you know, in my entire life. Um, and so it was, it, it just felt better. And the reason a lot of people didn't know is because I did miscarry pretty early, you know, um, a couple of weeks into finding out that I was pregnant. Um, but then I also, once I moved home and I start going to church and I start getting to know um, some people at church, I didn't know how to tell anyone, Hey, because to me, I'm like, your life looks perfect. I was pregnant eight weeks ago. Like I, I didn't know how to make that happen, you know? And, and I see looking back, I'm like, man, that's, that would have been so, it was so difficult. I didn't know what to do. You know, I'm, I'm 19 years old. Um, I was just pregnant and now I'm at church and I think I want to follow God. I don't know how it was just a difficult time in my life. And so, yeah, it was a lot of secrets. And then once you get past it, it's like, then how do you say, Oh, by the way, you know, we've been friends for two years. I was pregnant two years ago. It just, it was so hard. It was, everything was so hard about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that, um, you know, I think that that's a, a big, there's so many pieces of it, you know, and, and what you said about feeling like you need to be like prove how sorry you are or prove that you're not over it because, um, you want God to know how sorry you are. And then also like the fear of what other people are going to think about it. And like something that you talked about that really like, um, just stuck out to me was even like in you, your husband's a pastor and in marrying him, like there are these different expectations of like what a pastor's wife is going to be like as well. Yeah. Oh man. I felt that for sure. I, I mean, I didn't feel worthy, which is looking back. I mean, here I am, I'm 20 years removed, you know, well, we've been married 17. It it seems dumb to me to think these things, but I'm way different than I was then. And I'm way more secure in who God says about me than I was then. But at the time I felt as though everyone was thinking Aaron should have picked somebody else or if they knew my story, then they would really think Aaron was pretty dumb for saying yes to this gig, you know? And so I just, I believed all these things. And so to help me, it was like, well, don't tell, don't let them know. So then they can't have a chance to think that that was kind of my mentality, but it just, it just leads you into, you feel trapped, you know, because I'm believing these lies. And so there's nobody in my world that's combating them with me, you know, and although Aaron knew everything about my story, you know, when we were dating and I don't think I even shared with him how much of a struggle that was for me and feeling unworthy, you know, and I think it was just this inner thing that I kind of felt was normal. I kind of felt I deserved this and it was kind of my penance to pay because of where I had been. And so, you know, looking back, I did struggle a lot with becoming a wife of someone in ministry. Um, I just didn't really know that I was up for the gig, Yeah, which is so dumb because everyone's the same. Like, no, there's no, that doesn't make a pastor's wife. She's not some like, Oh, put her up on a pedestal. She's amazing and never done anything wrong. Um, she probably is amazing, but she probably sins. Right. She definitely sins, you know? (laughs) So yes. Yeah. So that was a struggle for me. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. 
This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. I just would love to hear like in your words. So we've like, you're talking about, um, I feel like God, like I needed to, to carry the shame to prove that I was sorry. I like, I was identifying, um, or I felt like these things that I'd done in my past really, I, um, identified me or they were, they were my identity. And, um, you talk actually a lot about the scarlet letter, which I feel like was the perfect, um, like mental image, you know, like having these letters on your chest that, that, um, are just so hard to take off. Can you talk, like, I just would love to hear in your words, like, what is the truth in this? Like, who is, who is Jesus in this? Like, what is, what is the truth? How does Jesus meet us, like, in the face of our past? Yeah, I mean, the truth is that is, that is what Jesus does. That is the reason that he came was to make us new. And so if we're going to believe the gospel and we're going to believe that, you know, way back when and Adam and Eve, that we, that was broken between us and God, this relationship, this intimacy was broken and God, Jesus, Holy spirit. They're all like, we have a plan. We're going to fix this. And Jesus came to restore what was broken. Um, 
then we have to believe that when he says, I'm actually going to give you a new identity, I'm actually going to work in your life to redeem and make you look more like me every day until you come home. And I'm actually going to look at you and see the righteousness of Jesus. It all sounds churchy. Like when I'm saying this, I'm like, people are probably like, okay, you're preaching now. But the truth is that's the truth. And so if I'm going to believe that Jesus died for my sins to bring me back to the father and to make me a new creation, then I just have to believe that that's true. And I have to believe that that we are all sinners, all of us, everyone, everyone is a sinner and that God is in the business of making our mess, bring him glory and that he can do that for us. And he can do that for everyone that's listening. Like there's nothing too far gone. I think I talk about this in the book, but I talk, think about Paul, you know, Paul who wrote so much of the new Testament and so much of the early church is, you know, built around Paul's ministry. And before he started following Jesus, he actually was persecuting Christians. So he's persecuting and killing the people who are following Jesus Christ. And then he in turn follows Jesus Christ. And I think, man, if God can use Paul, then he can use me and he can use you and he can actually change our lives um, and make us new. And so I think that, you know, the reality of believing that is I have, I have to believe that God is not a liar. And I have to believe that he didn't just write this down for somebody else, but he actually meant this for me as well. Well, and like that God is more true than our feelings. Like Mm. that's so hard. Yes, because our feelings, they're so deceptive. Our heart is so deceptive. It is going to lie to us. And even when I feel unworthy, it doesn't make me unworthy, you know, or when I feel as though I'm unlovable, it doesn't mean I'm unlovable because that's not the truth. Or when I feel as though this sin is too much for God, that's a false feeling. I mean, it, well, you may really be feeling that. I don't want to say it's a false feeling. It's not your, it's not a reality. It's not a truth. Yeah. And so knowing and believing what God says to be true, it will always trump what we feel. Oh man. I feel like I just need to like lay down for a second in that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I have to like, and the thing is, everyone's like, Oh, you have this all figured out. Well, it's easier for me now. But Stephanie, I'm like telling myself this still all the time. Yeah. It, it may not be with like, it may look different now, you know, with different struggles. Right. But I'm still preaching the gospel to myself every day. Every day. Every day. What did it like? And actually, you might have just answered it. But I find that God's truth, like, it, especially when it comes to our identity, he says things that are true about us and they still kind of don't feel true. Like there's, it's almost like, um, it, it, it sticks up in our head. Like, you know, versus like you, like we are perfectly and wonderfully made. Okay, great. I know, I know that, but on days when I'm like, are my jeans tighter? I'm positive. My jeans are tighter. I feel gross and uncomfortable and unattractive and, and unlovable. And, and if you want to like get that train to roll in, like name a thousand other things, like it's sometimes it feels like those true things, it's hard to like put them on completely, you know, like what did that process look like for you? And again, like, I know it's, it's a continuous thing for us absolutely every day. Um, what did that look like for you to really start stepping into believing that Jesus paid for your sins, that he, that God sees you as clean and new and righteous. And and like, what did, what did it look like to actually kind of step into that for you? You know, for me, a lot of the things that really helped for that was a community of people around me. And I think that, um, the Holy spirit does wonders in our, in our, in our lives to, um, draw us towards himself and to, and to speak truths and remind us of things that are true. And I think one of our greatest assets as people is the church. And I mean like God's people. And so, um, you know, for me, a lot of it has been sometimes I need my people to remind me what is true over and over and over again. Um, and I think that that is something that we underestimate. Sometimes we think, okay, I know what's true. I'm going to, I'm going to fight my emotions and I'm going to read the scripture I put on my wall and I'm, and I'm going to do all these things. And those are, those need to be done every day. That is true. But I think a lot of times we don't invite other people into speaking into our world. And so, I mean, to invite someone in to speak the truth, we have to let them know what we're believing to be a lie. 
That's when it's scary. And so I think that if we don't invite people in and say, Hey, this is where I'm struggling. This is the lie that I'm believing. Then we're not giving God's church the opportunity to also work in our lives. And so for, for, I think one of the greatest things that you can do, um, as an asset to your walk with the Lord is to invite people in, you know, is to say, Hey, here's, here's me. Let me, let me show you my struggles. Here's what's going to trip me up. Let me go ahead and tell you if something's going to take me out in this world, here's what it's going to be. Now, will you help me fight this? And so I think that we can underestimate how much our community can help us like stay strong on just this race of a life. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, it's, it's interesting because I, so I became a Christian my senior year of college. And, um, when I first met Jesus, I had, you know, like a pretty, um, I feel like radical might be kind of a weird word, but, but it's true. Like a pretty radical moment with Jesus. I met him in Sistine Chapel of all places. Um, and, but you know, kind of the semester after that, I didn't really have a Christian community. And I mean, I felt like I remember sitting there on the floor of my bedroom one night, sobbing and journaling and just saying, God, I feel like you have left me in a desert. I'm dying out here. Like I can't do this anymore. Um, and really quickly afterwards, I ended up sort of getting duped into a mission trip. Um, I'd never been on one before. I thought I like vacations. I like the beach. I'll go to Costa Rica. Little did I know a mission trip and a vacation are not the same thing. <laughs> um, right. I, I got to meet like 40 of the most amazing, like Jesus loving, hilarious, warm, funny, kind people. And, um, I mean, it changed everything for me. Like having a community of people to walk with, like absolutely brought my faith to, to life. It was, it was like water in the desert. It was the, it absolutely changed everything. And so I love that. It's the part where you said, you have to let them see your struggle. I feel like every girl just went like, mm, no, not this one. Not this one. What did that, um, you tell a, some beautiful stories in your book. Specifically, there's one, um, where you tell your husband, Aaron, like the story of what you'd been through. Can you kind of talk about what that was like? Like, when did you decide to start letting those six people or however many like in and kind of what were you thinking and how did you find the courage to do that? Tell us about that. Yeah. So when my husband, Aaron, and I started dating, I had, it was uh, December of 1999. I remember that. In January of 99, I had been to the Passion Conference, which is one of the very first Passion Conferences they ever had. And it was there that God kind of got a hold of my life. And so, you know, there was a year there of me figuring out how to love Jesus, um, how to how to follow him, how to, um, learn that it wasn't about following the rules and that it was more of how do I let God into my world to, to lead me and guide me. So I had this year of just crazy stumbling and loving and all kinds of things. And then, um, Aaron asked me out on a date and Aaron was this guy that I note that I would see at church and we were friends and we had like, we had been on a ski trip together and with our church, the college ministry. So we were friends, but in my mind, he wasn't my type. He was really too good for me. If that, you know, I just felt, and I felt like he's not going to want to be a part of this. <laughs> like this is going to be too much for him. And so all that to say, he asked me on a date and I'm like, yes, because I was super intrigued with him. Like he was, he made me laugh more than anyone else. Um, and so we went on a date and I told him on the very first date, I said, Hey, listen, I have some things in my past. Like I have some stuff and I'm pretty sure that once I tell you, you're not going to want to date me anymore. Um, and he's like, okay, well go ahead. You can tell me. And I'm like, Oh, well, I'm not ready to tell you, but <laughs> <laughs> but I will eventually, he said, take your time whenever you want. And I remember leaving there thinking, if someone said that to me, I would have said, well, we're not having another date until you let me know, because this is just this dumb for you to tell me there's some things, but you're not ready. So he was kind and gracious. And so I really spent like the next semester, you know, that next semester really just praying and asking God, God, will you help this conversation? Will you help my boyfriend who I'm now really, really falling for, who had never kissed a girl until me. Will you help him see me for who I am and not for where I've been and what I've done? And, you know, and I would pray, God, will you help me, um, 
We help me be open with him and we help him help me invite him in. And so a lot of prayer that semester. And then, um, I remember we were at the beach and we, we were down, he was a pastor. So we had all of our seniors down there and we were at the beach and we had had communion on the beach and everyone kind of left. And I was just still sitting there and I just knew, you know, like you just like feel like God kind of like pressed something like you need to do this right now. And so, you know, I've been praying for a whole semester and there I was, you know, all alone. And I said, and I was thinking, this is it. I, I have to tell him. And he ended up coming down and finding me at the beach and he sat across from me and I think he knew, I mean, I'm alone at the beach crying. Like, I think he's <laughs> like, something's going on here. And so he sat down across from me and Stephanie, uh, he held my hands and I told him, like, I just laid it all out and I told him everything. And it was hard. It was really hard because even in that year of, you know, God kind of working in my life, I had made some more mistakes, even as a follower of Jesus. And that was hard to say, you know, that was almost harder than the mistake when I wasn't a follower of Jesus. And so I laid it all out there and, um, it was really, really just precious and special. And, um, he looked at me and he said, you know, you don't have anything to be ashamed of. He said, that's not even the girl that I know, you know, and he was able to tell me that the, what he had seen God do in my life. And it was just really, really special. And I always look back on that and I think, man, my husband, is a center. Like uh, 17 years later, I know that. Right. And, <laughs> and at the time I thought he, he deserved something better. But looking back, I realized that God really used Aaron in that moment to be a really, really, um, kind of a human example of the way that that's what God says to me as well is that God looks at me and says, man, I don't see you for those things. I see Jesus in you. And, um, and so that was special. That was hard. Um, but it hasn't ever been a, a big, it hasn't ever been anything since then. I mean, you know, it's not like we have to have this conversation over and over again, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I wasn't actually going to ask you this, but I'm going to, so here we go. <laughs> um, but I, um, have a lot of really wonderful single women in my community. Um, and so a lot of what I talk about is singleness and dating. And just because God did so much in my life and my heart when I was single and dating and so much of the, the, so many of the things that he taught me in those seasons have really, um, like set the tone for my marriage now in a really, really just beautiful way. Um, but one of the conversations that I keep having with the awesome women in my community is they are in the process of, of giving over more of their life to Jesus and like jumping in further with him and deeper with him. And they're wanting to make some big changes in their lives, specifically in how they're kind of treating and approaching their sex lives. And I totally had that moment in like, you know, when I was becoming a Christian too, I was like, sounds like God has a different way of doing this. I might want to take him up on it. Um, let me think about this for a while. And a fear that they have that I've gotten to address a little bit, but I would really love for them to hear from you is, um, they're afraid that they've, that one, no guy is going to, no great guy is going to want them after what they've done. Or like the second he finds out there, he's going to run or, um, that they've messed up their future marriage by, by not doing this the way that, you know, God says is best from the get go. Can you kind of speak into that? Yeah. And I get this. Oh, do I get it? I mean, I, I experienced that firsthand when I'm going into date a man who had saved himself from marriage. He was a virgin and I was far from that. Um, but here's, here's what I, what I want women to know, you know, sexual sin, even God's word said it, it affects us, um, in great ways. Um, when we have, when we're in sin that is sexual. Um, but I also, also want everyone to know is that Jesus didn't die just for sins that aren't sexual. Hmm. Like Jesus died for all of our sins. And so he died for our sexual sin. He died for our pride. He died for murder. He died for hatred. He died for racism. He died for all of it. And so if we're going to be people who are like, man, I love you, God. And thank you for forgiving me. And I, I trust you except for, man, I really wish you could forgive me of this because it's just too big. We're really looking at God and saying, you don't know what you're doing and I'm too much for you. And it's just not the truth. Um, 
you know, on the flip side of that is, you know, a woman who's going into a relationships feeling as though she's too much because she's maybe, you know, made too many mistakes in the area of sexual sin. I just want to say a man who is secure in, um, his identity with the Lord and a man who knows that we are all sinful people and a man who knows that God is in the business of redeeming lives is not going to look at you and say you're too much at all. Because if he does look at you and say you're too much, he has a a skewed view of what God can do in our lives. And so that is just setting up everything for failure because what's too much then? I mean, you know, now, I mean, I get it. I I get it because I've been there and you get it because you've been there. And those are hard conversations. Um, But at the end of the day, man, you want someone, you want a man who understands that we are all sinful people and that God is in the business of redeeming lives and that you're not too much for God. Yes. It's really, um, I actually, my, the only guy I've invited to our girls nights has been my husband. Um, he got to come on for an episode earlier this season. And, um, we actually talked about the day when we talked about our pasts. Um, and when he, he kind of asked me, you know, like, tell me a little bit of your story. And I gave him a really, really basic, like, very general overview of it because, um, the relationship I had been in before him, it was like my first real Christian relationship. And I, I mean, my heart was for God a thousand percent. Like I had, my life was so like tucked up close to him. I, you know, and I was seeing his redemption all over everything. Well, when that boyfriend asked to hear my story, I told him my story thinking that he might be like, wow, like God's amazing. Like, you know, cause that's what other people had done. And he cried and like, not in a good way. He was mm-hmm. devastated by my past and he was heartbroken because he had saved himself and I hadn't. And, and I mean, it was like the nightmare scenario of someone's reaction to mm-hmm. your past. And the thing that I, I'm so glad that it didn't, it could have broken me. His, his reaction totally could have devastated me. And I mean, it really hurt me, but I think that somehow I, I, I'm glad that I had like a tight enough grasp about who God is and the fact that we are all sinners, because it was like, I think that not my reaction is not wrong to this. I think that you're missing something in this because no, he hadn't made the same mistakes that I had, but he had made a lot of mistakes. And I think that that's like, he, he was missing something in his, in his understanding of, of God and grace. And so when, um, I got to tell my husband, Carl, the story, I told him like a very brief version. And then he went and he told me like his full story. And And I got to see, like, I wasn't looking at a man who was like broken and messed up and like stupid for his mistakes or whatever. I'm looking at like this beautiful man that is so healed and redeemed by Jesus. And so the second he was done telling a story, I was like, I think I need to go again. (laughs) Uh, Can I have a, can I have a second chance? chance? And so you're so right. Like there will be some people potentially who won't, who won't respond that way, but that's not on us. That's, that's, that's a misunderstanding of the gospel on their part. That's not a sign that we're too broken. Yep. That's their issue. And that's something they have to work out with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, when it comes to, to talking to people about the things that we've been through, um, because I think that that's, I know for me, when I've like opened up about, like you talked about with, um, community in the church being our greatest asset, like people can't speak into the lies that you're believing if they don't know what lies you're believing. Um, that's been huge in my life to like kind of, open the door on some of these things and let some light in because our secrets and our shame, they grow in the dark and and there's no one to hold them accountable. There's no one to, they just grow. And so, um, when it comes to like starting to open the door on some of these things and invite people in, what advice do you have about that? Like, who do we pick? How do we approach the conversations and what happens if someone reacts the way that that ex-boyfriend of mine did? Yeah. I mean, I think we're always going to be in situations where someone can react that way and we're going to get hurt. And the reason we're going to get hurt is because we're dealing with human people and human people hurt people. You hurt people. I hurt people, hopefully unintentionally, but it happens. And so I think that we have to go into these situations, not expecting that every time you open up, it's going to just be like rainbows and fairy tales and everyone's just going to hug and say, kumbaya, (laughs) um, because you're going to have hard situations. Um, you know, I think that it's really important, like I've already said, to have those people in your world in that community. One way that that's worked well for me is to find women um, that I can trust and that are safe. And I have found that women who I can trust and are safe are women who really, really understand um, everyone's need for the gospel. And when I say that, they mean they understand everyone is a sinner. 
Um, they understand that all of us are just three steps away from falling. They understand that, you know, without the grace of God, we have nothing. And so women that understand that, then when they hear me say, man, you're not going to believe what I'm struggling with right now. They're going to listen. It's going to be safe. They're not going to judge me. And they're going to constantly point me back to Jesus. And I think a lot of times, you know, being vulnerable and authentic is great. Amazing. I want it. You want it. Like we're encouraging women to be this way, but if we only encourage them to be vulnerable just for the sake of vulnerability, then we have totally missed the mark. And so, you know, my thing is let's be vulnerable women for the sake of also pointing people to Jesus. So I, when I tell my friend, you know, Amanda, I'm like, Hey, I'm really struggling with this. If she just listens and is safe and is like, okay. And it ends, and it ends there, then I don't know what just happened besides me just talking with a friend. But if she then encourages me, like, how am I going to fight this? What are you doing to endure this? That is when we actually are running this race together, when we're actually pointing people towards um, the truths of God's word to help them endure, to help them persevere, to help them not fall into the traps of this again. And so these women that they love God, they know that we're all sinners, that we're all in need of this saving grace. Um, and then they're willing to point you back to God's word um, instead of just kind of giving yourself a pat on the back. Yeah. So how do you know, like, how do you approach that? How do you know if someone is that kind of safe person? And how do you even like get the conversation started? Like, do you need to just like come right out with it? Do you need to, can you do it like little by little? What does that look like? I mean, I think it's just like how you build a friendship. I mean, you're get you're spending time with someone, you're getting to know them. Um, maybe you do talk to them about a bad day that you're having and how do they react to that? How do they handle that? Where do they point you to? Like what kind of encouragement or what kind of advice do they give you? All of those things are going to help you see like, Hey, what is, what, how is this friendship going to go? And man, it just takes time. It just takes time. Um, some of my closest girlfriends I've known, I mean, my closest girlfriend I've known for, you know, 25 years and then other friends in my life I've known for 10, 12, seven years. And so it takes time. It takes investment. It takes, um, being that person for them you know? Um, and so I think it's just, it's one foot in front of the other time and time and time again. I think at the beginning you were talking about going first and like being the one to go first and to just kind of say your thing. And I think that as you're putting the time in and as you're investing and as you're getting to know each other and as you're seeing how they react to like an honest admission of like, I'm having a bad day. Um, I think that at some point, if we want this kind of vulnerability and openness in our friendships, like someone has to go first. And I think that we feel like it's weakness to, to be seen as imperfect, or we think it's, um, that some, that we're going to be crushed if we open ourselves up and someone doesn't follow. But the thing is like, it's strength, it's strong to, to open up. It's strong to be, to be vulnerable, to know that, um, to be willing to go first. And, and like, really the truth is if someone reacts poorly, like if they think you're a mess, I mean, one, they'll probably be really relieved because they are too. And if they're unable to say, hey, me too, and like jump down into the hole with you, that just means that they're still struggling too much to be able to open up about it. That says way more about them than it does about us. Totally right. Yep. You Something you talk about a lot in the book that's like just my heart song, and so I loved it, was um, really what is able to happen in other people's lives when we tell our story. And I mean, that's like, you're, I'm sure you're seeing this all over the place because of your book and getting emails and stuff. Like, what is possible when we're able to, like, own, kind of own our story and, like, let, go, and, and let ourselves be known? Like, what, what, I don't know, God does the coolest things, and I just would love to hear from you on that. He totally does. I mean, I'm seeing that every single day of people sending me emails or on this book tour, people coming up to me and saying, man, because of reading your story, I don't feel alone anymore. Or because of reading your story, I was able to open up with my girlfriends or because of reading your story. Um, I feel as though I can share these struggles with my life. And I think that so many times we underestimate the power of just saying, of go, going first and saying, you know, here's where I've been because then people around, around us are going to think, oh my gosh, me too. And if she can do it, so can I. And, you know, a lot, you know, it would be easy to think like, oh, well, Jamie can go first because she has a book and a podcast and, but who am I going to go first with? Well, you have people in your world all around you that you can go first with at your job, in your home, with your children, your husband, um, in your community group. There is 
people everywhere around you where you can um, kind of go first and say, and then be willing to say, okay, me too. I'm with you. Um, and so I've seen a lot of people just feeling a little bit more empowered just because somebody went first. Yeah. And like, um, when I, uh, shortly into my, my walk with Jesus, he, I was like asking him, I was like, God, what do you want me to do? You know, he, he had just changed my life in such an enormous way. I was like, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Like, what do I do from here? I, I, so much of my life had been kind of upended and I was looking for direction. And and the thing he told me is he said, Stephanie, I want you to write a book and I want you Mm. to tell women just like you, what I've done in your life so that they can know what I'm capable of doing in their lives as well. And I think that like, when we tell our stories, it's like, we don't need to make, um, like, we don't need to close the loop on it. Like you saying, this is what I've been through and this is where God met me. And then this is what changed. And this is what he did. Like, I'm, you don't even need to say, so therefore he can do this in your life too, because I'm already so with you. Like I've identified with your story and I know that I'm not alone because, oh my gosh, you've done that too. You've been through that too. Okay. Me too. Wait, God can meet you in that. Okay. He can meet me in this. Like you said with Paul. Okay. If God can use Paul. Paul was a mess. <laughs> so God can use Paul. Yes. Can use yes. Me. Um, I love that. I think that, I think our stories are just the telling our stories and being vulnerable about our stories are the kindest thing we can do for each other. And, um, yeah, I remember, um, I, I just re- actually remember this when you said you went to Costa Rica on a mission trip. I was like, I've read this somewhere and, um, I read your book. Oh um, <laughs> that's crazy. Yes, yes, yes. I read your book and I remember thinking when I read it, like, man, uh, I, probably what people say about me and you're probably going to say, Oh, I'm just doing what God asked me to do. But I just thought, man, what bravery to say, I'm just going to go first. I'm just going to share my story in hopes of pointing people to Jesus. So good for you. Good for you, girl. I appreciate that. I like, um, really, I mean, God has done such amazing things in my life and in your life. And he like, we aren't our past. We're not. And so talking about those things, like, yeah, this is what I do when I'm left to my own devices. This is what, like, I was looking for hope and goodness and strength and, and security and love everywhere. And I just was not finding it. And like, there's, there's not shame in that. It's we're, we're human people looking for connection. And, um, but when God finds us and when he like heals us and does these amazing things through us, like, my gosh, he gets so much, he gets all the credit and all the glory. And if he can do that in my life, my goodness, he can do that in yours too. Amen. Amen, sister. Um, so Jamie, I have a last couple, three questions I want to ask you, but really quickly before I do, um, if there is a woman, which I know there are, there are lots of them sitting here thinking, listen, I have some secrets in my past. I have some things and I feel like they are scarlet letters on my chest. I don't know what to do with this. Like, what would you tell them? Just kind of a last piece of encouragement for them. Mm, it's so hard. I've, I've been there. I would tell them, um, and we've talked about this so much in this episode, but it, it we cannot say it enough is to find someone to talk to, um, find someone to talk to. Um, that would be one of my biggest encouragements. Another one of my encouragements would be to really, really get into God's word, to get into God's word because God's word is active and it is piercing of our souls and our hearts. And so, pray and ask God and say, I need you to show me something. I need you to show me who you are. And he is faithful. His word is true. And so get into his word and find someone that you can share with. So good. So good. Um, okay. So I have three last questions I want to ask you. The first one is, um, what is God teaching you these days? Um, God is teaching me a lot after this book came out, you know, it's funny because, um, and we've talked about this the whole time, the book is so much about vulnerability and so much about authenticity. And as easy as that can be for me, it can still be hard. And so it's funny to think, oh, the person who wrote a book about being vulnerable, God is still teaching you how to be vulnerable in some ways, if that makes sense. And so I think that's a just a, this is an encouragement for anyone that's listening. Like I don't have it all figured. I'm still doing this, you know, like it's not a one-time thing for me. And so God is still even causing me to be vulnerable with conversations, um, with girlfriends and really allowing him to trust that. Um, but I think also God is really, really pushing me out into do like writing a book that was really pushing me out into the unknown. Um, And I'm really, really having to, um, not to learn to trust him. That's not what I mean to say, but try, I'm having to learn to own my gifts even, you know, and, and to trust that he, um, is using them, 
the ways that he wants to be using them and to trust um, that he is taking desires that he's giving and he's making them to bring him glory, if that makes sense. So I'm learning to just like kind of walk in that dance with him of like, okay, God, you've given me these desires um, to have a podcast and be able to speak to women make sure I still glorify you. Like don't ever let me glorify Jamie. And so I'm still just kind of learning to stay close to him in that. One of my, um, earlier this year, I read the book, the circle maker, which, um, I think 7,000 girlfriends told me to read it before I finally got my act together and did. Um, but one of the prayers, so the whole thing is like to pray this, really have like things that you're circling prayers around that you're just praying around and praying around, praying around. And so one of the things I always say is like, kind of in the part where I'm like praying for myself, I'm like, God, don't let me wander. Don't let me wander. Like I could get so lost in this. I could like a little turn here, a little turn here, a little turn here. Where did you go? I have no idea. And so I always am praying like, God, like keep me close. Don't let me mess this up. Keep me close. Don't let me wander. Um, And I think the minute I start thinking that that can't happen is when it's dangerous. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Second question is what is something in your life and really the more random, the better, just whatever it is. Um, what is something in your life that's bringing you joy these days? So something that's bringing me joy right now is I am on a book tour. And so I just got home last night actually from being gone for four days and my girlfriend, Amanda, who we were friends before she worked for me. So it's like we're all, we, she travels with me on these book tour events And it brings me so much joy. We have so much fun together. So she is phenomenal working for me. Like she just makes things happen. But yet when we're not working, I'm on a trip with one of my greatest friends in the world. And so uh, that is bringing me a a lot of joy right now because we just got off a four day trip together and it was just so much fun. That's amazing. That's the very best. It was fun. Yeah. I love that. Um, Okay. So my last question is, um, who is a woman in the world, um, who's been inspiring you lately that we could kind of go follow along with. Okay. I'm going to have to give you two and it's because I just came off this book tour these last two dates as well. And so I want to just set the stage for you real quick is the first tour stop that we just did was in, well, both of these were in Northwest Arkansas and her name is Kelly Stuckey and she owns a beauty parlor. Do you even call them beauty parlors anymore? A beauty um, salon. Yes. <laughs> what, yes. what am I like? 1950. <laughs> so she owns a beauty salon in, um, Northwest Arkansas. And she told us that she would want to host a book tour there. Um, and then a lady named Amy Hannon, who she's a cookbook author. Uh, her Instagram handle is Unimaze. She owns, um, a, a cooking store. So, Kelly Stuckey, stick with me, invited us to have her book tour in her beauty salon. Amy Hannon invited us to have her book tour in her home, and she loves hospitality. And I left Northwest Arkansas so inspired by these women because here's what they did. They used their gifting. She was a hair salon, and she said, how can I make this place a place where women can be pointed to Jesus? And part of that happened to have an if-you-only-knew book tour event there. And I left so proud of both of these ladies, one for using her gift of hospitality in her house and one for using her gifting of owning a hair salon to kind of merge all these worlds together. And that brings me so much joy as well because I love when people use their giftings to like showcase other people's giftings. And so Kelly Stuckey, Amy Hannon, I'm huge fans. I love that. I My small group and I were just talking last night about – um, the ways that we can like partner with God and the things he's doing in the kingdom. And like the thing we came away with was like, this person's in the music industry. This person's a publicist. This person's a whatever. This person's a whatever. Like, okay, we're in really unique places for a really unique purpose. And like, we can use this, whatever our thing is, we can totally use it. I love that. I, I love when I see that happen. It literally, it, it, ignite something in me where I'm like, this is it. You guys, this is what we do. We use our giftings to showcase other people's giftings and to build everybody up. It makes me so happy. So very happy. I love that. I'm so, uh, I'm so glad that we get to follow along with them and they were just doing such cool things. I love that. What good, what good answers. Well, Jamie, I have loved chatting with you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It really like, I'm so I'm so thankful to you for writing this story and for going first because I know that you telling the story of of your life and what you've been through and the ways that God like set you free is going to ignite. I don't know if you can ignite freedom, but I'm going to say ignite freedom in go with it, girl. Like 
in so, so many women's lives. And, and I know that this has been such a struggle for so many of us, but that God has such, I mean, it's good news because of this. Um, so thank you so much for your faithfulness and for your words and for, for going first. And I'm just really, I'm a fan of you. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me on. You guys, isn't Jamie amazing? And doesn't she feel like she's your new best friend? I just love her and I love her story. And there were so many times that I was just bowled over by God's truth and his love as she talked. Game changing, right? Hey, don't forget that if you ever want to find any of the links for anything we talk about in our Girls Nights episodes, you can always find those over in our show notes. Head over to stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog and you'll find links for everything, including all the links for Jamie. You can pick up her book, you can listen to her podcast, and you can follow along with all the great stuff she's doing. Friends, that's it for today's episode, but I have to say, I am so happy to be back. I've missed our girls' night so much, and I'm so excited about season three. There's so much good stuff headed your way this season. And because of that, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It won't send you an email or anything. It just makes sure your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. And I did want to take a quick second to ask y'all a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those ratings and reviews help out our podcast so much, and they really would mean the world to me. So if you take two quick seconds to do that, I would be so grateful. All right, friends, that's it. Season three of the Girls' Night podcast is officially here, and I'll see y'all next week. Can't wait.